We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Kyo Lagas Kora on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Le Niklas O'Brenon. The Falter of Galera story of Kyolavas Kora, Radio Fubel Kahar Kilkenny, got a hock to hock pointy shock FM. His federation lesson, Lord Shoher and Saharan, Oxar, Nagas Erin Loon, Arish, Atla, Atlar and Akrel and Clar Erin Loon, Erin Eatlook Freshen. Well, our margin beg me holler deem de kind fee and couple tullyar, couple kalyul, a boig rossi more lira. Vogue Shane Derby, the St. Ledger Stakes, King George VI, Queen Elizabeth Stakes, Ormond Stakes, and Eclipse Stakes. Kegor Vogue, Tullyar, Elan Rossi, near Eirigles and Gopel, Marcira. Led any Vogue Michael Ling, or Michael Ling Motors, Douche, Eirigowil, Agano, and Rahul Major Ledil, Aklustan. Vogue Mihal, Michael, Michael, on four Chairman's Award, uh, it's a fleen, it's a fehe. It's a fehe. Ermajan beg me hell a kind fee gano, Agason coronavirus irem, Agason douchlan ella, ato epfui laher ge, Agason de dina atoi goberle. Well, is Kahirlock, common ferrum yorical kunigas, Jimmel Hall, Agas Ermajan beg Jim a kind ling a fee na douchlan ek sula, atoi ferrum yori naherin a free laher. Well, you're very welcome to another day of broadcasting on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You'll hear us here every Saturday morning at 9 and again repeated at 9 every Monday morning. Well, this morning, Mayhall, oh, Jeremy, the talks was about Tullyar. Well, he goes back a little bit over Irish, um, the times, uh, but he talks about Tullyar, an Irish bred, British trained, thoroughbred racehorse and sire. Lots of wins, the Derby, the Ledger, the King George, the Queen Elizabeth, the Ormond Stakes, the Cliff Stakes. So a very successful horse Well, he stood at stood in Ireland and America but failed to live up to expectations as a sire. Michael Ling Motors, one of Kilkenny's leading motor retailers, recently received the 2024 Chairman's Award. The latest award is one of many that Kilkenny business has received over the years for the excellence of its service to its customers. I will be joined this morning by Managing Director Michael Ling to discuss the award operating during COVID-19 and the decision by the Ford Motor Company to go all-electric in Europe by 2030. Well, one sector that is continuing to operate as close to normal as possible during the pandemic is Irish agriculture. I will be joined on the programme this morning by Jim Hall, the chairman of Kilkenny IFA, to chat about the challenges facing the agricultural sector at this time. Well, most mean lad is feather. Fogra Kurkum over taxback.com ever 086 353 That's our text line, our taxback.com text line 086 353 to Tony Don Show. Thank you to Tony and the team in Chadwick for their support for this program. August Mabuikas Show. As always, we thank you, the listeners, for your interest and your support for this radio station and that's what keeps us all going. Well, Anisha, Michal Ademina and Majin show a kind fin couple Tullyar. Well, the couple of shocks are now we have a kind and we an immerke godonna, we geostirks the chervishe, uh, anyacher posta oil, we an achnemirks on a log, uh, we an unreal to Savion, uh, we devalera force a gort, we shane henar galore, gnome shinogus, the harry stage, a village, we their own leos ne truchadi, Argus, um, we shed. Shan agus kemadok agus nire moron e chitamamak satia. Agus antraud gan nere kerga hain hit on realtus a vie co realtus it or finagale vie ganaser hit shis shin vie noel brown a gire cower a heart cower a hearty gorsi mahrakish the mother and child act. Agus the hit on realtus marnia vie anakhoch taigan. Na haspig e gnome shin. 
agus vi iva satiregnom grave genem niacht gewoschen purity nach mir dine nach reven genest hier mar dos oliver j flanig nach reven genest hier regnom schnecher agus vi vi gak halen in meiden agus gak oger vi 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 an an on a Vaho Hev Gnesh Machin. So, Arenos Monodurum Vian Imarka Godonis here, Argus Vian Aknami of Vietnam Tarigan Gown, Ak Kadian Lois Vegan Reels is there, Kurse Una Arlandina, Nuna Hanik Sheet Stal, Couple, Couple, Argus the Bonan Stal. August the Eva on Ganesh, Stal on Green Ashunt, the National Stud, we Stal a Chastaluha, August the Canic Shed Nig and Gunah couple, Akon couple of Biara V. Sundown, Egnam Shin, Tullier, in Edu Kurga three, Nedu Kurga do, the Vuik Tullier and Derby St. Ledger, Vuik Shin, Aras and Aglair. August near Vuig en Kaplan Ilson Arigat August of Vuig. We Kapl Rugukanering, a fishy train on she is Sasnagus, nor we she Kriachna, nor we she Triblin Dish. We and Agakan, Bolesian Agakane, August, the Kanig on Realtus in airing a own Agakan. Er Kahru Milun Pont. August Bavura Machin, your Tokukon Machin Arrogate, our ain couple Reeve, Rivisha, our Down Stoker. August Anshin Virkartin a kind fair, August Capelandine Gur Kuramu Arrogate via guest. August Unfilishan or Rio Down, Hosnishay Smuin of Elno, August. We shake swing of Gusina Kuil air. We share raw Lesfain, while Shaw and Ellison Argadaha have our couple. Will Eva Newell, Le Crohu, and Nori Hukigan Stal Shaw, and Gurikshe Funyev Satir Reached, and Megachtin Gnevach Argus. I can throw with Russian the lower Tucker and lower Fekurs. So shield the vanishing Irish. We land in a bachelor's here. I was near the post, a post in there. I was we already done a raw better Gugurish and Stalisha Tyler Gugurish Funius Dina. Now, Sean already done a fan Bullock and Etching a Gemlina Rivishin. I was. We shall be our agents, Nadahadi, a chronic shakefain, on etching new TB. I was near a chance more on Gabosuk shakefain, or here we found our fossa, or never found our Kalin or Bed, dinner fossa, or even etching a curasto. So Renos, the scripture and dawn saw Tolier. I was Toshi Quenchfe on star of one lesson, Tier Nahayan. Uh, Ilan and Navagus and Nolov, Shinny on on Eva, we crohe and Aglish, because they can reel us. Octosagring fain Nish, Grave Sail Jeffrule or Father on Osrodi, Norodia Harla, Snukherkadius, Nadahadi, Fame Maharaka, Narav Post, because it sticks in the Institute Shin. Arenos. Lehme Pierquidendon. A Tullier Stalic Hanig Javalero on Agacan, Tier Vur Ganem Nirta, Tier Mahan, Tier Voyagen, Tier Ob, is Salter is Sushkale, Brother of Bukta, Ervor on Lane, a Tullier Shinstar. Shinstar. Tashi kind good year like Tullier, August a kind fair tradition, Nahaglish is a tear, August Menoril, August Na. Brahirogus Namanig of Yon. And Shin Chen Shiroi got Kogarus Dal Nakdoilat Eve at Kardi Jet Kerd Jet Flu Jet Sacht 
Det kommer spreche hargach ach a hakt a klakte de kjerde an sohan ar mask. No, da shira an tjersha vil tradition, haglische tradition an lein agus an olish agus ag lev na skriptur agus rodi marsin gwil stal ag takt agus beder gwil mjon difrul eller fad ag an stal. So, ich wische ich tocht, gut hier ne Nullov, hier ne Neil, ne Neiv, hier wann ich Padrig fein, ne Heger Pache kummisk ach, ach suhe schiel abad da hart, ne soschkel Padrig a hugisch lat, ach einting elle a hegech eschert. Da schiranschen, da mion de fruler fad, da egen stell scho. Bekse, bekse, ik poor rulers na na laarach en als de laan scharig is tacht ooit, niet heen een scharig gewoon, ze willen ook weer gelaan laan scharig, ik tacht ooit stelsel. Goed die hier, wanneer ik padrik fein, had ik niet padrik als hoekjeen kreestier doing. Zo, daar is doelig om ik aan daar ooit ik tacht slagerig hele, dus een tagus na haglische. Agus an stel so agus an 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 mion a krochoik she in airing agus an an dillen shin be virch o real don communicate kind fe pacha ni ni lua de facha pacha a stel tu vehi mun tahi in our mask a mun tahi or be genevuk beke tu genevuk in in our mask. It's still probably long if ago will. You'll be unofficially representing us. Her count on realtish ekfaimu operating on behalf of the government. So, better galeg me andon our father gus make tishkin to giver. It's all I'm suggesting on yes. Aktashi sinikuil erchlitchen. A tollier stall, a canig devilera, on aga can, tier vor ganamirta, tier mohan, tier maiden, tier ab, tier salter, a sushkale, is brira, brara bukta, a vor on lane, a tollier shin star. Ach, cover a stall, not doilat, eva at, cardid, it cared, it clued, it clocked. Det kommer spreche hargach ach hakt ek sache sakte de kerde en sonar mask i dierne nolv tierne neiv an tier vanig padrig fein ni heger pache kommesk ach ach suhe schiel abad de hakt ni soschkel padrig a hugisch lat ach intingelle a hikuch eschert es luge fache Pacha astal tuve imun tahi in our mask ist idstal fibli lawn ifigoil harkhon on realtish eg faimu. Well, Lorenos Hanix Toller, the Kashe Triblin Sagreen Ashunta, Agusan Shin Dilache, Estolan Fordal and Preisbjogna Kena er Dilache Gudi America, Agusan Hushi America. Buan tingis o fas o gaigus bivyog na fwrs e bas. Ni a chraig se ga ma mar stel na sharig a hanig oig ni rawad ar harmol a bertse neachar agus vi an taal a mwyntra na hern gwrach se dielta. Agus ni luthar mor an fein is is bivyog an chanachar a fi e ge ar na kapla hanig na yeig. Ie de veshin me holodim de majin se kind fi an kapal Kalul Tolyar, Fanigiling Bemitaresh Tresh the Fogri Shop. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. Kyo Lagas Kora on Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.
Le Niklas O'Brainan. Yeah, to fall for Ashkadi and Clor. Well, uh, Danny, Vuig, Michael Ling, uh, Dush, Larry Gawilla, Gano, Anrahul, Madril, Adil, Gushdan. Well, uh, Vuig, Michael, the four chairmen's award uh, is Fiha. Well, Anishtar, Mihaler, and Lena. And Michael, I'm delighted to welcome you to the programme and obviously say a hearty congratulations. And uh, should I also say that Jim Rowan was uh, knew you were coming on this morning and he's already texting to offer his congratulations. <laughs> Thanks very much, Jim, and good morning, Nicky. Yeah, good morning to you. Uh, before we get on to talk about the uh, Ford Chairman's Award, which is an acknowledgement of the of the wonderful service you give to your customers, what has it been like operating during uh, COVID-19? Because you have uh, two premises, just a couple of pucks of a ball from here and also down in Carlow. So it's been a, a difficult time, I imagine, for you and for people in the motor industry. Yes, well, Nicky, I suppose, look, at it, I suppose we're all in a very difficult time and this pandemic is it's affecting everybody and, and people trying to do business and do it in a very very safe environment and try and keep you know want to make the environment safe for our customers and of course for ourselves and all our staff and everybody else as well look it's difficult wearing masks uh, screens in front of you that's you know like uh, we're really our showrooms are closed uh, workshop and parts are open you know like it's it's a difficult time and uh, we all have to work with it. We're, there are an awful lot of work done. Our, our team, our sales team, and our staff has worked extremely hard and been very, very flexible with everything during this pandemic. Uh, you know, and look, it's tough times. We're getting through it. We're staying safe. Uh, people are very understanding, I suppose. Everybody, to, this is there. This, this pandemic is there for everybody. You know, everybody is affected by it. And we're just we're just walking through it. Yeah, and of course, this time of the year is especially busy for people in your business. And uh, we all know that uh, you know sales across the whole country, not just in in your, but sales across the whole country are impacted. And um, you know that's something that none of us like to see because vibrant industries like yours are important for our community. Well, I suppose it's, it is very important. I suppose number one, if we're providing transport for for the public, especially in rural areas, there's no public transport, so. Every, everybody's depending on a car to get to and from work or wherever they want to go, you know. Uh, and I suppose we'll make it um, by people buying good cars or new cars. Uh, they're much safer on the road. They have a very safe car. You know, cars are up to a very high standard with, with, with NCTs and DOEs and all that compulsory now on cars. The standard of cars are, are much better than what they were a number of years ago. And um, in terms then of support you've been getting from your your suppliers, um, you know, be it Hyundai or Ford or wherever it might be, uh, I, I, I'm sure they have been conscious of the fact that people in their industry, their retail outlets, are are have a, a much more difficult time, and I'm sure they've they've been cognizant of that in terms of the support they've been offering. Look, they're doing in fairness, they're doing everything they can to help us out and, and help us in every way, providing the cars and getting stock in and getting new stock in and you know, following up and giving the customer a good service. Look what they are, and it's difficult, it's difficult for them as well. And then, I suppose there's more than the, than the COVID problem. We have Brexit as well, which has caused its own problems with, with deliveries and delaying deliveries on, on cars and on parts as well. And that's not just for our, our industry, that's for every industry. There's a, you know, there's significant problems in it now. We hope Brexit will sort itself out, you know. I was just going to raise that. Have you have you detected some issues with Brexit in terms of getting in uh, getting in parts? Just the delay is, Nicky. Uh, we'll get, we're able to get parts. Some parts are taking a bit or a good bit longer than what you not what they normally took. Of course. Now, obviously, you're looking forward to getting back to full-time operations, uh, and like everybody, you're waiting with bated breath to hear what the government have to say when things can go back to normal. I'm sure you'd be hoping that it'd be sooner rather than later, notwithstanding that we have to be conscious of a virus still in our communities. Yeah, well, we have, I suppose, number one priority for all is safety and the health and safety of everybody, you know, and we do know what this virus has done, like, there's, there's over 4,000 people have died from the virus, there's, there's People, local people from Kenny have died from it. Just at one stage in in January, I'd say there were probably ten people I knew, maybe not knowing the person that died personally, but I've known the family. Of known, course, known, known you know the families very well. That people lost loved ones uh, during January with COVID, like and uh, and it was a desperate, desperate fires. And I was, I never thought. I'd ever see it like this in my lifetime. I, I, I often wondered about things, what could happen, you know, what could affect the economy and what could affect our business. 
but I definitely never saw a, a fire inspector being the, being the one that has really closed down, not the country, but the world. Every place been down by. Yeah. Now, in terms of the Ford Chairman's Award, a very prestigious award and an acknowledgement of your role leading the company and, of course, your staff and that, it, it, this must give a fillip uh, to you and your team, especially, I suppose, at this time when everybody is under maybe a little bit of extra pressure because of the times we live in. Absolutely. I suppose every award, Nicky, as you know yourself in your sports days and all that, and from being president of the GA and everything, like all awards are a tap in the back is always nice and I've never seen anybody say no to it you know uh, this is a very prestigious award it's it's, uh, it's uh, given by Ford of Europe and it acknowledges the top dealers in Europe in every country in Europe uh, for, and they base it on outstanding service and sales and, and parts and service and um, what, uh, based on what the customer says the customer viewpoint what the customers say about us to do questionnaires on every car you sell and the customers are priced at them it's based on that uh, they do mystery shops every so often and you're based on how you score in that of course uh, based on your standards uh, and you have to score very very high in all, all this and look we were absolutely thrilled uh, we had a zoom meeting with Ford there a couple of weeks ago and I didn't even know the chairman's award was going to be announced actually and it was a great surprise when our name was, was announced as being uh, as achieved as a getting the salesman's award for for 2020. Yeah, but doesn't that's that doesn't that make it all the better when you kind of when it's kind of announced that you weren't expecting it? Uh, you can imagine your uh, the excitement that must have felt for you and uh, for Mary and for all the team. Yeah, well, look, it was, it was, it was brilliant, and I couldn't believe the staff were so excited about it. Like, okay, I was delighted, absolutely thrilled, of course. And thrilled for 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 the company and for all of staff that has it wasn't me that achieved the award. It was all our staff. It's a team. It's a team effort, and everybody from top to bottom had to make a huge effort. You know, well, and I suppose it, it's a tour time to receive it in since 2014, which makes it more special. I suppose. Well, it does. Well, I think it's uh, to your credit the way you lead the team there as well. Well, now, Michael, during the past week, I've just noticed that Ford has promised that every model in its European lineup will be available as a plug-in hybrid or electric vehicle by the middle of 2026, ahead of the passenger line becoming fully electric in 2030. That is going to be a seismic change in the industry in Ireland, and uh, I know I spoke to you before about that, but as the years go by, how prepared are we, are you as a, as a, as a retail outlet to, to handle that? Because whether we like it or not, 2030 is not that far away. No, you're absolutely right, Nick. And, and look, at this is, this is the change that's coming at the moment. I suppose since, we, since I got into the motor industry, there's change coming every, you know, we're told about change two or three years ahead. And it, it do happen, and I suppose change... We're all a little bit scared of change when we hear about it, but when it when it happens, it's always for the better. You know, how prepared are we? Uh, yes, we are. I suppose it's at the infancy stage. We have electric vehicles at the moment. We have fully electric. We have plug-in hybrid. We have mild hybrid. We have full hybrid. We have the full range there. So, we, like it's a learning process. We are getting used to it. Uh, we have probably electric have a little bit to go. Still, yes, there will be uh, by 2030. I'd say most new cars being sold uh, will be electric cars. There is still a huge demand for the conventional, for the, the diesel and the petrol cars. Still, you know, they're still, they're st- they still have the major part of the market. Still, uh, look, there's going to be big changes. We're going to, we're going to need um, ch- charging points. That's the big thing, I suppose. The other huge thing, and I suppose that maybe nobody thought about, the supply of electricity. Like, where will will the grid be able to provide what electricity we need? If you need electricity to drive your car, to cook your dinner, to turn on the lights, like, there's going to be a huge demand on electricity. So there's going to be huge... Yeah, have been huge work done on the infrastructure sure. there as well to get ready for it. And what, in terms of the amount of um, uh, kind of hybrid cars, fully electric cars being sold uh, by your by yourselves today, what sort of percentages are? And are, are people, now, I suspect people buying new cars are at least asking questions about hybrid or electric, even if they're not going to buy them on this occasion? Yeah, they, they are, and people are curious, I suppose, and there's so much talk going on about it as well, and every time you pick up the newspaper and read a bit about it, it's all about electric and hybrids. Uh, you asked me the number of new cars sold. That the number of new electric cars are uh, about five percent. So about five in every hundred new cars sold today are fully electric. 
the hybrid is probably getting more and more popular and every manufacturer have have a hybrid or hybrids in their in their lineup now. So that's getting that's getting more popular as well. Uh, and then I, I suppose we we have to look at the, the customer, the, the type of driving the customer, so whether a hybrid or electric or whether the conventional petrol or diesel car is more beneficial for for the type of work that they're driving that they're going to do. So look, at a hybrid and electric is getting more and more popular all the time. Uh, uh, and we will see more we will see that the numbers grow on the electric the, the, the percentage for electric fully electric vehicles grew last year which was the only segment of the market that grew last year but albeit from small, a very small base and uh, uh, in terms then of um uh, sort of going forward, it's going to take time for a, for a stock of what we'll call second-hand hybrid stock electrics to build up. And I suppose the hope for your industry will be that there'll be a, bit, a fair bit of stock in place by 2030 to entice people to move off their petrol or diesel to a second-hand uh, electric or hybrid if they don't want to go for the fully new version. Yeah, there, there, plenty. there will be plenty of second-hand uh, hybrids and electrics on the market. I suppose the biggest problem with fully electric at the moment, like if you travel, if you have a range, and some of the newer cars now have maybe, we have the high end of Kona has a range of 450 kilometres, we have a new Ionic Kona, come, a new high end Ionic coming out, we'll have a higher range than that in a couple of months' time. Uh, if you travel somewhere in the car, it's not like going in a petrol diesel car and you're running low on fuel and you pull in, you fill up, and you're on again, and you know, in five minutes you're back going again. If you're away someplace and have to plug in the car, it will take a little bit of time uh, to get it charged up. And you have to be very, very organised to buy a fully electric car. Probably yeah. the, the, the one that's very popular, what I think is going to be popular in the short term, is a plug-in hybrid, where uh, a plug-in hybrid will do maybe 60 kilometres on electric, and then when the electric, when the electric is gone, when the battery is down, it will cut straight back into petrol. So yeah. no matter where you go, you're never in trouble. And if you run low on petrol, you can fill up and there's no getting caught out on it, you know. Yeah, you did and allude to it earlier, and I think it is critical. The whole charging infrastructure on the country, because realistically, if people are going to go fully um, all-electric, I know hybrid to an extent as well, uh, you probably have to consider having a, a, a charging point at home in your own house where you can charge overnight, and at least that might keep you going for the day unless you have a big, long journey. Yeah, well, look, Nicky, if you're buying an electric vehicle you must have a charging point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. Number one, okay, it's convenient and you can plug your car in to take, at the moment, it probably takes eight or nine hours to charge your car from empty to full. So it's an overnight charge. You can do it on a nice rate of electricity, which is half the rate of daytime electricity. Uh, uh, and and uh, it's cheaper. If you, like, before you the, the charging points, the public charging points was free, now you're paying for, if you go to a public charging point, you have to pay to charge your car. And it probably costs you four times more than it costs you to charge a home. Sure. So it's a no-brainer. Like if you're buying an electric car, fully electric car, you must get, you have to get a, a, a charge point. Obviously, one of the key issues in all of this is uh, the level of uh, support, the level of grant the government is going to give to the consumer who is willing to buy the electric or hybrid car. That's going to be key because that's the one way you can entice people away from the petrol and the diesel. Yeah, well, there is a, there is a substantial grant there at the moment. There's, there's a reduction in VRT of around 5,000 euro on a fully electric car. And there's also an SEAI grant of uh, 5,000 euros. So there's roughly 10,000 euros per grant to buy an electric car, a fully electric car at the moment. And there's also a grant to get the home charger. So the grant is 600 euros to get your home charger fitted. And with Hyundai, we have an offer coming up now in March. And if you buy an electric, uh, fully electric Hyundai, uh, we will fit the charger point free for you at home. Oh, that's, uh, that, is a, that is a very, yeah. very attractive offer. There's no doubt about like, it. All the manufacturers and parents are, are making efforts to uh, to promote the electric vehicle. Well, so there's a realisation in the industry now that this is happening and that there isn't any way you're going to stop it, so you have to go with it and, and make it as make it as seamless as possible for your consumers. Here, there's no point in fighting it. It is going to happen. You may accept it, you may embrace it, and we may go on and you know just accept it and look we have a long way to go it is, and it will it's come it's going in, in huge leaps every year you know it's, 
the range is improving, the, the, the ease of charging is improving, the, 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 value, the cost of the car is probably coming down a, a little bit, the advance is still there. There's a lot of benefits there for the right person. Okay, before we let you go, Michael, it's be impossible to, to not to talk to you or to talk to you and not mention a bit about sport because uh, you're a loyal supporter of Kilkenny GA sponsoring the Michael Ling Intermediate Hurling League and Championship. You're looking like everyone else, looking forward to when we can get out and uh, see the hurling again in live in person. Nicky, sure, look, I suppose the thing we missed most last year was going to the matches. You know, you know the enjoyment that everybody gets. You go to the matches, you meet people, you have your match, uh, you meet them after the match, you have a chat about it and that. Uh, and look, we do miss that. And I suppose not alone do we miss it. Look, it's so important to young people's health as well and well-being and people getting out. Like, people have been locked up. Like, you know, like it's it's, it's really, really tough. And I hope the hurling, the, the, the club hurling start again fairly soon. Okay, we want the inter-county to go as well. But I suppose there's an awful lot more people involved in club. Every parish in the, in the, in the country has young lads playing sports. There's only the elite playing the favourite inter-county. So we do need sport to get going back. And not just GA, all sports. We need it to get back. And we need to get back, you know, to normality as soon as possible. And I know it's nobody's fault. It's very easy to blame people and they should do this and they should do that. But nobody knew what was coming down the line. Nobody knew what they were doing, whether it was right or wrong. I suppose they had to make a call on something, you know. Uh, but look, we hope it do come back, man. Hope it come back. Very yeah, soon. and I must say, the uh, the hurling fields and the football fields of Ireland never look so well now coming into the spring, I suppose, with such little activity. They're really in pristine condition, so they can't wait to have the uh, the, the feet running around on the boys and the girls and the men and the women running around on them. Uh, we're hopefully... Uh, post Patrick's Day maybe some sort of uh, some sort of action might be possible if the numbers come, keep coming down yeah well we hope Easter anyway that we'll be getting going and, and again yes you're right about the sports fields and they're all looking so well and the grass is cut and everything's in pristine condition but doesn't just go to show uh, that all the, the great people that are in every club around the country all the voluntary work all this has been done voluntary in all the pitches around you know and there's people out there working make sure that when, the, when we do get opened up again that we're, re- we're really ready start, you know, and get going with the bank when it, when it, when it do happen. Yeah, well, look, we Michael... Hope, as I say, we hope it happens. Absolutely. Well, again, Michael, from all of us here, we congratulations on that Chairman's Award, and we wish you well to you and your team during COVID. And we, of course, thank you for your continued support to us here in the radio station, apart from your support for many other ventures around Kilkenny. Uh, safe health to you and your team, and good wishes in the, uh, in the months and years ahead, and uh, I've no doubt that, uh, you know, things will work out well, and that uh, you'll get back to normal service soon. And Nicky, okay. thank you very much. Thanks yeah. for those kind words. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. Okay, okay, bye. okay. The best in uh, Michael Ling, oh, Michael Motors. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, eighty-eight point seven FM. Kyolagas Kora on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, eighty-eight point seven FM. The Nicholas O'Brien Yeah, falche arashkadi Kyolagas Kora mabikas to Michael Ling and Kora shin a pisikyolanish o Phil Coulter. On on Clarevier and Telefish Fado, the Thornbirds, on Tame on Thornbirds. Yeah, the Vesian and Taman Clar, Telefisha, the Thorn Birds. Maris Kahirok coming from Nori Kilkinigas, Jim Hall. I was told Jim or Lean and this. Jim, good morning to you and thanks for taking time out on this lovely spring morning to have a, a chat with us. Uh, good morning, Nicky, and thanks, thanks for having me on. And a beautiful spring morning it is. Yeah, spring, must... spring has finally sprung. God, yeah, I said coming out this morning, I was leaving home uh, there about 10 to 8 and I thought it was just gorgeous outside. So good, it's good to see some bit of. Jim, COVID 19 has impacted everyone, of course, but the farming community, I'm afraid they're not able to close close down. They have to carry on as normal and difficult and all as it is. How have your members managed to cope during this? Because I'm sure many, some of your members, I don't know, I'm speculating, of course, but some of them have obviously contacted COVID. So it's a tough time for the farming community, apart from all the other communities, but we're dealing to specifically to you about the farming community. Yeah, uh, it's a very good question, Nicky, and, and, and you're 100% right. I mean, we. 
we have faced the same challenges we even faced them here on our own farmyard um, we have faced the same challenges with with potential COVID outbreaks and this third wave I think more, uh, I won't say most but there's, a, there's been a lot of farms uh, being affected in some shape or form and at a very busy spring time I, I know of several cases where family members or staff members um, have gotten sick or been close contacts at a time when sheep are starting to lamb you know, and, and cows are starting to calf and all of a sudden uh, you're down a pair of hands and you're down for a fortnight. It's not like, you know, if you're sick for two days, you can come back out or you can come out and do a small bit. I mean, isolation is isolation, you know, so it has created, it has created challenges, no more than any different sector of the community, uh, to be fair. But I suppose the one thing about farming is, I mean, the animals still have to be fed and looked after yeah. and tended to and... Very, animals. very, very much so. And I yeah. imagine, Jim, I just, again, look, referring to the, the Farming Independent last Tuesday, which I read just in preparation for our chat this morning, and I see an article by a Dr. Derry Casey who's obviously worried about his people coming into his surgery, perhaps are, are feeling a bit down, and among them are the farming mm-hmm. community. I'm sure your message to your colleagues are, don't be afraid to ask for help in these tough times. 100%, 100%, and even there on... We have a we have a monthly meeting, um, one, the second Monday of every month, and our in our on our last meeting we had um, uh, oh, her name is Kess, we know um, we had a lady on she's a doctor in psychology, and we are our mean all our meetings now are conducted over Teams or, or Zoom, and um, just on just this message it's okay not to be okay, uh, Nikki, and it is important that if people are this is an extremely uh, an extremely tough time on people and. Um, Ashley O'Dwyer O'Brien is now. Sorry, it just came to me there now. But um, she's a doctor of psychology. She just came on and highlighted how to manage stress and anxiety. And anxiety is nearly the biggest thing. People are just worried, you know. So it is important that if people are feeling um, under the pressure, they talk to someone. They share the burden, you know. Absolutely. So well, there are plenty of wonderful ages out there to help people. So absolutely share the burden. Jim, again, reading uh, during the week there, average farm income set for a 3% lift this year, it says uh, Chagas 2021 outlook. Uh, is that the reality on the ground, Jim, or is that just the fact that it will happen with some farmers, maybe not at them all? Exactly, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Um, it's, there is, I mean, our, our beef farming colleagues are facing into potentially another tough year. Um, Brexit, Brexit is going to have a... Um, we still haven't seen the full effects of Brexit, maybe, as we move later on into the summer and, and they start to implement the full uh, measures. But I think, um, like, dairy farming, it's, it's steady as she goes. Um, now, I suppose when that, when that figure was done, they didn't take account of we're facing into uh, rising feed and, and fertiliser prices. Tillage farming appears, I mean, at this early stage of the year, prices are hardening and forward prices. So prices in some sectors, and sheep sheep is having a good year also. So in some sectors, you're spot on. Some sectors, are, the potential is they'll, they'll tip away and do okay. And then, uh, I suppose, the beef sector, Nikki and Of Fairman, course, yeah, it's, it seems to be struggling a fair bit. We yeah. might talk about yeah. that in a moment. But obviously, in relation to, um, you mentioned Brexit, of course, Jim, and again, it's, it's stated that the Irish farmers dodged a 470 million hit thanks to the pre-Christmas Brexit and will enjoy a modest lift, as we said, in farm profits this year. But what's the reality on the ground in relation to Brexit, or is it just too early that the impact hasn't really been seen yet? It's, it's, it's probably a little bit early yet. I mean, you, I mean, the British buy the British buy most of our beef, as everybody knows, and and Ireland is able to produce um, very environmentally sustainable beef, um, and so it, it's probably a little bit early uh, for for the full impact. I suppose that the big risk is as, as time goes on. Um, now that uh, Britain is classed as a third country, they can do trade deals with South Americans and what and and various other uh, regions around the world for trade deals, which. It could be starting in the port beef, which may not be as environmentally sustainable as uh, as our own beef here is in Ireland. So, I mean, that's that's a that's the big risk, I suppose. We're staring down the barrel of the gun potentially on that one, Nicky. Yeah, well, that's obviously going to be you know then then there's the whole the whole cap negotiations as well, and I suppose yeah. the, the Germans wanting to get their cars into South America and try to open up the South Americans want to open up the uh, the, the markets for their beef and all that. I can see a lot of contentious mm. issues coming down the line. Mm, indeed, indeed, and like I mean, the one thing we need to remember, like I mean, uh, we're able to produce beef here, and um, and I'm not a beef farmer, but uh, you know, a lot of my colleagues are. Um, you know, on I mean, you see it out there, they're grazing green grass, and you know, so everyone is aware they see cattle in the fields. 
However, like when you look at the, our South American friends, I mean, the destruction of rainforests is at a pace of not. So they're taking down uh, rainforests to, to put it into grazing ground to grow their beef herd to export it back to to Europe. So I mean, there's we need to be careful that we understand exactly where the world and the, the global trade piece is going. You know, and if it's if it's at the detriment to the environment, well, then um, that's no 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 one wants to go there. Well, again, a professor, a leading economist, uh, John Fitzgerald, who we regularly see and hear on uh, the radio and television, he's talking about cutting the beef herd is an inevitable price for dairy expansion. Uh, I mean, as a, a leader of um, the farming community, I'm sure that sort of uh, comment uh, is not one that you're too happy with. No, no, it's, it's not. And I mean, it, and it kind of goes back. It's okay, like I mean, as I as I've just outlined. I mean, if 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 we based on economics, should the beef herd be reduced? Possibly. But if you look at the bigger picture, I mean, the food has to be produced somewhere, Nicky. You know, and this this is the key point. That we, you know, we're able to produce it in this country, um, and we are willing to embrace environmental restrictions. And I think these measures need to need to take time to, to take effect. But uh, like, if 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 it's displaced, if Irish beef is displaced on 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 European shelves for South American beef, so John Fitzgerald's comment. I mean, if you look at the figures, you would say possibly yes. However, the cap is there for the agriculture policy is there to fund safe foods, environmentally safe food in in Europe. You know, so I mean, the cap should be there to make sure that beef that's been reduced in Europe and eaten by European people is. Is environmentally um, is environmentally sound, you know. So I said, Johnson short comments. If you take it at one level, he's possibly correct. However, if you scratch beneath the surface, there's a bigger issue there. That yeah, and the issue with bee farmers in Ireland is that they're so dependent on their incomes coming from EU supports, and and so getting new markets is is something that has to progress at a pretty rapid pace because the British market is on so uncertain. Yes, I mean, look at it's a globalization is um, and global trade i mean we cannot we simply irish farmers simply cannot compete on a global on the global platform for beef i mean we have our farming here is, is quite intensive or as you go to the various other regions of the world and cattle are able to roam freely across thousands and thousands and thousands of hectares of, hectares of land do you know and so their costs are minimal so they can sell they can sell so much cheaper do you know but Irish farming is fundamentally family farming, which is the backbone of rural economies, you know, so I think this is what you cap as far as support farm families. Yeah, and of course, talking about uh, farm farm families in Ireland, many of them, of course, are dairy farms. I suppose it's, a, it's an industry that I've been familiar with for many years because I worked in the industry all my whole uh, working life, so... Obviously, the way the industry has grown, it has snowballed over recent years. And again, a Chagas research shows that dairy farms have the highest level of debt across Irish farm systems and the highest rate of debt. So clearly for many dairy farmers, while it's a, while it's a steady income, many of them took out significant debts to and grow their enterprises. And uh, that's something that's, I suppose, of concern to them. Of course it is. Of course it is. I mean, and we have expanded here. Look at, I mean, I was born in 1973, so I'm 47 years of age. The quotas, as many of your, some of your listeners are familiar with, quotas were introduced in 82-83. So I grew up through a whole era, Nicky, of sitting on our hands, uh, not, being able to, not being able to expand or grow the business. And I came home to farm when I was 20 years of age, and like most 20-year-olds, mad to drive on the business. But I couldn't, as we just had to sit there and, you know, quota was restricted. So when the opportunity came, we expanded, we invested in our farmyard, invested in our making facilities, and uh, and I suppose the important thing to point out is like it's it's based on sound fundamental economics. It's a good sound business plan. But if 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 the goalposts are starting to move and if there's other restrictions put in or the rogue is pulled from underneath us, or use all these cliches that you want, if if there's a shift in what happens outside the farm gate, which affects my ability to produce uh, dairy products at a uh, you know at the, to to produce dairy products economically sustainably well, then it has an impact on our business. So that's something we are acutely aware of. There is a good bit of debt on farms, but it's based on 
sound fundamental economic business plans. Yeah, well, it's ironic you said you were born in 73. That was the year that um, Ireland joined the yes. common market did, and I was actually working in Glanby, and I was one of the people who actually played a, a big role in gathering all the data from this, what we'll call the creameries out there, that formed the original Avonmore creameries and the central paying of farmers. I was very much at the heart of all that. So I feel strange in some respect talking to a man who was born in 73, who has put so much of his life into the whole dairy side of things, talking to you this morning and having the, the role I had at that particular stage I mm. suppose it shows you how, how times have moved on so much in all of those years and I'm very familiar with the whole super levy situation and the challenges that faced out there but but are we getting to the stage though where Ireland simply will be producing too much milk? Yeah you see and to be honest like I, I could see this question coming you know what I mean um, as I said I grew up um, um, and I, I farmed through the 90s and 2000s within a within a quarter regime Um and it's it, it stifled it stifled young people coming into the business as well, Nicky. It did, you know. It did. I, I mean, and, and and now we look at the next generation. So, so what do we do? Like, if we say stop, I mean, and I hate using the word mature discussion because it's after taking a whole life of its own. But if we pull up the drawbridge and say, right, that's it, no more milk. I mean, what does the next generation do? I mean, I have a I have a son and a daughter here. Um, both of them are involved in the farm in some shape or form. One girl is walking, the girl is walking off farm, and the young fella is doing his leaving sir. Both of them are keen, and they're they're out the yard. They're out the yard this morning doing the jobs, and I'm in here on the of phone course, to you. Of course, you know. And yeah. um, so, like, we have to make sure that generation renewal is allowed as well. That there is some way of keeping young people coming into the business because it has revitalised the. Dairy yeah, business. but there has been huge change as well, Jim. Again, two hundred and sixty-three thousand people worked on Irish farms in seventy-three. The year we talked about that figure is now below hundred thousand. So there's been a seismic change in the whole uh, working operation on Irish farms over that period of time, and and that's just the sad reality of the situation. As much as we hate to see it happening. Well, sure. Look, at, um, you're hundred percent right. But my father here um, uh, fed clothes and, and educated five of us to a high level uh, with 80 cows do you know and sadly nowadays 80 cows just wouldn't do it do you know and we there was five children here uh, four of the five of us got a university degree and um, and, and it was achievable with an 80 cow herd but unfortunately again it comes back to global economics I mean when you were doing your figures back in 1973 the milk price wasn't a whole half of what it is now Nicky and that's, yeah. that's, that's unfortunately where we're at that's, you know? that's spot on I can, I can vouch for that I haven't, been, uh, haven't been in that space Jim we alluded to there the green agenda and where that's going I'm interested to see that Fonterra in New Zealand the big co-op in New Zealand has said it will reallocate money from farmers who fail to meet sustainability standards to its Irish to its farmer suppliers who are already taking sustainability actions now could you see uh, Glanbia bringing that sort of scenario into this in here in Ireland because I suspect that would be uh, something that wouldn't be welcome. No, it wouldn't be welcome. But I would say, in fairness, um, we have and like we have seen, we have seen a shift in mindset. We have seen people um, low emission slurry spreading, embracing this childless Mac car, where um, you know where, whereby people are now aware of, of the environmental sustainability of everything that we do. Um, protected, you know, protected fertilizers. And it takes time, and like there was this asset program for water quality and water protection in our on our water courses, that has all been embraced by farmers. So I think this needs time uh, to, uh, to to wash through, so to speak, to see the results. I mean, and Lambia themselves have embarked upon a biodiversity program there as well to encourage farmers to be more biodiverse. But I suppose, Nikki, we also need to make sure we get recognition for what we're already doing. There's lots of Irish hedgerows. There's lots of farmers with, with, with waste areas that they have sown bird cover on and stuff. So we need, <clears throat> like, we have to move away from the negativity on this piece. We need to make sure that people are fully aware of the effort that we're doing to improve water quality. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's right. I think in terms of improving... Uh the whole farm environment and everything I think there has been huge um, huge huge work done by Irish farmers and yes I would be biased on this area but I think sometimes people are slow to give credit to the farming community for yes. that Indeed, indeed. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yep. Uh, just a couple more things before we wrap up, Jim. Um, uh, we've seen a lot of developments on wind farms. Is that something that's a kind of, that's a, a, something the IFA has a view on in terms of the potential growth of wind farms in bringing energy to uh, to the more the community? Well, <coughs> okay, it comes back to what we've looked at. What are we? What are we? What do we like it or what do we don't like it? Everything, every single thing that we do now is about is about the environment and is about making sure that we leave, we pass on planet in a better shape than, than we found it or we're not certainly not leaving a, leaving a stain on our copybook. 
Wind farming and, and renewables are, are part and parcel. That is, I suppose, the biggest concern I have with wind farming is I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to the concept, but um, I suppose we need to make sure that farm families and landowners are the beneficiaries of it. Like there's, there's a whole micro-generation piece there of on-farm solar panels, anaerobic digesters, and I think there needs to be more work done and that needs to be more, <clears throat> more grant aid put towards that so that the farmers that we spoke about, maybe there is, like livestock, the li- our livestock farmers can tap into this um, whole micro-generation piece to generate electricity to feed into the grid because it's just not uh, economically viable at the moment and the government has to move and make sure that the reefer tariffs are put in place. But to answer your question, I mean, wind farming, wind farming is part and parcel of, I, I know it causes conflict in some regions or in some areas, but I personally, myself, I, I'm not opposed to the concept. Um, I mean, it is there and it is a way of of producing green energy and whether we like it or whether we don't, sure. that's the way we have to go. Yeah, and the last... All across Europe, in, in, in Europe, it's it's widespread. Sure, and kind of finally to wrap it up then, Jim, broadband, of course, you talked about your meetings on Zoom, of course, your children are now needing online education. Mm. Uh, the whole rural broadband thing, which has been a lot of politics around it, but the reality of it is it can't happen fast enough for all sorts of reasons because all of your transactions now with, with the department or with whoever is now all online, so you need good broadband. No doubt about it. I mean, and, I'm, and I don't know if you know my location, I'm literally in the outskirts of the Kenny City here. And um, I mean, uh, and I was on a meeting here one day, even I, I, even on the edge of the town. And uh, Darren is walking from home here. Cahill is in is in Karen's college, and he's online learning. So there was three of us pulling off the same broadband feed, and it, it caused fierce problems. What do we like or what do we don't? I suppose there is. This is going to be the future. There is going to be more people working from home. Broadband is a massive issue. There are some people who are just completely cut off. So this needs to be rolled out. And I suppose if there's anything comes from the whole pandemic is it's highlighted how how desperately poor broadband is in this country for rural people. Okay, look, Jim, I won't hold you any longer. Get out there because you're meant to get out onto the land and get your work done today. I do appreciate you taking time. Look, uh, congratulations on your role as being appointed by a chairman now some time ago now. But good luck in that role. Thank you for taking time, and we'll talk to you again in a couple of months and, and get a lie and get an idea of what's happening in the farming world. Perfect, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. You're very welcome. Thank you, Appreciate Jim. That. Okay. Yeah, the Jim Mulhall. Thank you very much, Jim, for your time. Well, Shindarad and Clarden now on you, Mubwikas, Sam Mary Chadwick's, Augustine, Jalok Deshtik. That concludes today's programme. So, uh, my thanks to uh, Sam Harry and Chadwick for their support. Fanagi Lingberg, Megan Tahawili, personal, the spiritual eye, be a Taresha Nukta era, the Hitlog. August Maradut, may a big Akrela on Clarsha, a Raddy Fobel Karkil Kenny, Erin Loon, Erin Eatlog. August Gideon Saharn Chakuing, Slan August Banak, Dokyol August. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.